0: Welcome to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibell. Literary Speaking is the author's guide to writing and publishing, sharing tips and tricks for aspiring authors. Crystal Lee's expert guests will bring you the latest information on how to write and publish your book into being. Are you ready to tell your story? Here's your host. Welcome to
1: Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibel, and today I'm talking with Zoe Zolbrand. Zoe is the author of the fiction novel, Currency, and her most recent memoir, The Telling. Zoe, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: So your recent memoir, The Telling, details your experience as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, and you sort of explored the aspects of how it felt to remember as an adult, what had happened, and sort of how you navigated telling your partners, friends, and family, and even their reactions. So was the overall reaction from family pretty supportive when you expressed wanting to write this book? You know,
2: I wrote for a couple years before telling any of them. and my dad was really the person I felt most concerned about telling because the relative who abused me is on his side of the family and my dad's involved with the story in multiple ways. Um, he's a highly respected and beloved man with a little bit of a public presence and the book deals with some hard realities and stuff he and I have never talked about very openly so I was I was very nervous about that. Um, but when I finally did tell him, And this this comes up in the book. He was so supportive, um, so loving and generous, and he has been at every juncture since. So, I feel really really lucky that the most important person to me with this regard has has been nothing but but generous and supportive.
1: That's uh, excellent. I know so many people that write memoir and especially about abuse, there's a huge fear of sharing with their families and wondering what the reaction will be. And sometimes it's good and sometimes not so good. But <laughs> overall, I think the most important thing is just healing through the writing, right? Yeah, that um, that was definitely the
2: case with me. And I just didn't feel like I wanted to ask permission um, until I was very firm in the material um my commitment to writing the book, you know, I didn't want to ask permission to write it, but I did want understanding about it mm-hmm. uh, once I got far along.
1: Yeah. I think for me, what sort of made this, the, you know, this memoir on the subject particularly stand out was that you shared really honestly that you didn't always feel like it had been traumatic and that many sexual abuse survivors feel this way. I think there's this sort of very real fear that, if we're confused about how we felt during the abuse, is it really traumatic? What were your final thoughts on this after writing the book?
2: Um, I was so young when my abuse started, four years old, that it was mostly a case of it being confusing. It wasn't um, terrible for the most part, um, and nor was it pleasurable um, in the way that older children might experience it because of the ways our bodies are built. But it was mm-hmm. it was weird and kind of murky for me Um and I say in the book that I'm almost grateful in a strange way for the one time that it was clearly terrible because even as a child, a very young child, I could understand in that instance that I was being wronged. And um, it helped me uh, clarify my own experience as I continued to get older and, and remained in, in many ways confused about a lot of what happened Um of course, looking back from an adult's perspective, all of it was really terrible and shouldn't have happened. And it's not uncommon for for kids for whom this happens to um, to not fully understand until they reach maturity and understand the taboos around it, understand the abuse of trust, um, to to really understand to the, the extent to which they were harmed and taken advantage of um, mm-hmm. once we do feel that way we feel like we should have been able to stop it or we should have known back then Um, and I just feel more you know it was interesting to me to research and see how common some of these feelings were and um, I'd like to communicate that message to other people that it's quite normal to feel confused about it and and to Mm -hmm. have a different perspective as we gain maturity
1: Well, exactly. And I think, I mean, even Oprah mentioned it on one of her shows that, you know, some of her abuse was there were moments where it was pleasurable. So it's really conflicting and confusing, especially at that age. And, and the way that these sort of abusers work is they know that and they know how to manipulate. So it's really, I think, fantastic to have that understanding out there for people who have been through it to be like, it's normal, it's okay. And, you know, what happened wasn't okay, but, you know, this is how you process. I mean, in one part of the book, you you write, I got pregnant a couple months after I returned from Duluth, but I maintained my commitment at First, I tried to fictionalize the material, but I found that wasn't freeing me from my confusion and shame and fear about the topic of childhood sexual abuse. In fact, writing fiction left me feeling like I was sneaking around in some way, revisiting the slippery, sly pursuits and evasions of my early youth. How did you sort of switch from fiction and find your narrative voice in memoir?
2: Um once I switched from fiction and, and as you say I felt like I was maybe sort of trying to trick myself in some ways by writing fiction once I mm-hmm. um got more clear with myself that I wanted to write a memoir the voice came pretty quickly um cuz I think I had worked through some, through some of the resistance already um and so I I really I one of the things that made the book exciting to write was feeling like I had found a good voice and that I was able to speak clearly and directly, but also um, sort of honor, I hope, the the mysteries of childhood and the discoveries of adolescence when I was writing about those periods in my life. Um, so the writing came once I let it, not exactly easily, because writing's never easy for me, and there definitely was a lot of psychological baggage to work through, but... Mm-hmm. But it came fluidly, at least in terms of the voice. And I think that was just a matter of finding the right form for the right material.
1: And you really detailed, too, within the book that you were sort of, I don't know if meticulous is the right word, but you were an avid journal um, writer. So you had journals uh, from different, you know, different stages and things to kind of fall back on for research and also processing, right?
2: Right. hmm certain periods of my life much more so than others but uh, that was interesting too to see the voice i had used in those journals and also to recognize that voice as a kind of construction in a way also um it seemed to me looking back you know i could sometimes see that adolescent trying trying to present herself to herself as more adult that sort of thing
1: mhm and did you find I mean, I don't know um if you feel the same, but I know I'd been through abuse, and I found that I was always I always felt older than I actually was growing up. I felt like I knew more than most of the other kids in terms of sexuality and and what was happening. Did you find the same thing as well?
2: Yes, I think so, although as I say in the book, some of my peers um once we hit puberty were were more advanced sexually, but I felt like well, actually, I'm right there with you because I've already had these experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely had that. Uh, you know, I was interested in being older. I wanted to be older. I snuck adult books out of the library, and I was very interested in, a, in the adult world and adult things. hmm
1: well, everyone, you're listening to Literary Speaking with Krista Lee Quibel, and today I'm talking with author and editor Zoe Zolbrod. When we come back from the break, we'll share how you can win a free copy of her memoir, The Telling, how to find your narrative voice, and what Zoe has learned as a writer and co-editor of the Rumpus Sunday edition. We'll be right back.
0: Your story is begging to be told, but do you know where to start? Crystal Lee Quibell is dedicated to helping you achieve your book publishing dreams. Go to crystalleequibell.com. That's Crystal Lee Quibel, Quibell, Q U I B E L L.com, and sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter today. Welcome back to
1: Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Kristalie Kleibel, and today we're continuing our conversation with Zoe Zobrod. Be sure to listen to the end of the show to find out how you can win your own free copy of her memoir, The Telling. Zoe, in speaking of narrative voice, before the break we were kind of going through it a little bit. How would you suggest an author can really find that voice and be able to express it in their writing?
2: For for me, in both my fiction and my nonfiction, it's been about entering into the mind of the person telling the story, and perhaps most importantly, understanding why they want to tell it. I think that's what um, allowed me to write my memoir fluidly, is by the time I actually did it, I was very clear on why I wanted to tell it. Same thing with my first-person protagonist, and I think this is true even of a third-person narrator in fiction, but for me at least, it's been a little harder with the third person to know how to find the true cord. Um, But definitely with a, with a self narrator or a first person narrator, the reason why they want to tell the story seems crucial Mm -hmm. and who they're telling, you know, who they're sort of telling it to as well.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, I think, too, finding your voice kind of, I don't know if you've tried this, but where you write like you speak, like using using your, your regular everyday sort of voice to try and, and get that on the page as well can sometimes be helpful if you try to write it out in a way that's more authentic to how you actually talk in day-to-day life.
2: Yeah, like you're actually sitting with someone and telling them. Um, my... The One of the characters in my novel who's written from the first person, it, it it was very much so that I pictured him sitting there and orally telling the story and really tried to capture his speaking voice. I mm-hmm. think that's an excellent idea.
1: And, I mean, in terms of memoir, because sometimes we're just sort of retelling and there's not always a lot of dialogue, you know, how did you find piecing the work together so that it would flow from – Past to present, as you reflected on what you had been had learned or shared.
2: Um, the, I think the way I handled it was by writing in short, usually short chapters, and each chapter more or less um, sticking to a certain time period. And the time periods are interwoven. There's not one straight chronology. Sometimes I'm writing about the present, kind of as an adult and reflective. Um, and also as a self-conscious writer, other times I'm writing from the childhood perspective more closely or from the coming of age perspective and i I separated them out largely. Um, does that answer your question
1: mm-hmm what What did you find was the most surprising thing throughout the writing of this this memoir well
2: at the moment the book has just come out and I'm most surprised by the outpouring of positive support. Uh, It's been wonderful. And I, I didn't expect it quite. I was, you know, I had fears about this work coming out. Um, I thought, I thought I would, I thought there would be some more negative reactions by this point mixed in with all the positive reactions or some more neutral or kind of put off or freaked out reactions. But, the support has been so wide and so warm. I really appreciate it. Um, but during the writing, I was most surprised at how sad and afraid I felt sometimes since I hadn't really, I hadn't known I was carrying that around and I hadn't really let myself feel that so much as a child.
1: Well, yes, because in the book you reference several times where you're like, well, I was abused when I was a kid, but I don't think it affected me much. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. you right. know. <laughs> As you sort of unravel all these these things from the past, you start to realize, okay, I think maybe it actually did. Yeah, yeah. And, um, one of the things I thought was interesting too is that you you spoke about therapy within the book, and then you you know we kind of had a little chat before the show about writing and and using a therapist to maybe help through the writing, and you didn't actually you didn't end up doing that, correct?
2: Right, I didn't. Hmm. that's my own that's my own stuff I don't necessarily recommend that
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it's interesting though to see how different because I you know there's been other memoirs about abuse and some people are like oh I couldn't have done this without having a therapist and you know when I when I am in the process of writing mine I haven't so I think it's just whatever works for for everyone right
2: yeah I guess that's that's partly what I explore in the book is is the whole thing, um, we share some things in common when we've been abused as children, but we're still individuals and we're going to have our own path. There's not a one-size-fits-all approach.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think, too, when you were speaking about, you know, the reactions of your peers and, and family, one of the major things I know I struggled with having been abused and was sharing the news with my parents and siblings you know, many years later. And you you write children who disclose abuse most often do so to appear if they tell an adult, it's most often a mother or a mother figure. The response from that person can have a long standing impact on the child, exasperating or limiting the effects of the abuse itself. Experts advise that the listener stay calm and encourage the child to talk freely, that she assure the child that she is believed, that it, she is not at fault, and that she is loved. I felt that was so important to share because, especially as parents or also for anyone listening, you know, it's as a victim, it's so difficult to come forward with this info. And also, you know, people can sometimes further cause trauma by reacting poorly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you find Did you find that throughout your experience, you know, when you were researching, writing, and telling people that most of the reactions were quite the opposite of what you expected maybe?
2: Well, in my personal experience, by the time I did tell my parents, I did disclose first to a peer many years before I told my parents. Um, their reactions were not what I had expected. And just in talking to so many people as I've been writing the book and now that it's out, you know, you hear story after story of how people disclose their abuse, and it's downplayed. They're told it's no big deal by, you know, by their by their mothers. Sometimes, I mean, by people who should be caring for them. Um, it's I, I like to think it's getting better, but you know, it's still um, there's no guarantee of how you're going to be met. And and in in that light, we can understand why kids want to keep quiet about it. Um, mhm.
1: Well, yeah, and sometimes it's some of the reactions are the most surprising. You know, I I told one of my siblings and the reaction was really bad. And so for two years, I didn't tell anyone else because I thought, well, if this is, you know, if the reaction is going to be, are you sure? Oh, Did yeah. you make this mm-hmm. up? You know, right. it's like, I don't want to go through that five more times. With no, the rest of, my of course you don't. And my parents, right?
2: And depending oh. on where you are in age and immaturity and in coming to understand this for yourself and your firmness your how firm your grasp is it can it can make you doubt yourself um mm-hmm. you know it can really contribute to depression if you feel like you can tell yourself you're making too much of this or yeah it, it can be very damaging to hear those kinds of things
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I really appreciated that you had put that excerpt in about how people usually share with a peer first and then, you know, or somebody that's like a mother figure and to have the, you know, to not react in a way that's negative, to just be like, you know, it's not your fault. Thank you for sharing with me. This is a really big deal because it's important to share that, you know, and to let everybody know that no matter what age you're at, it's okay to come forward. Did you... Did you really find the overall experience writing The Telling as a form of healing, you know, any sort of trauma from the past or anything?
2: Um, yes, I, I absolutely did. And I think, um, you know, there's been research done to show that writing about trauma is helpful, very helpful. Um, but writing as therapy is supposed to be a bad recipe for for writing as art or for writing literature. Um, but I I really self-aggrandizing as it may sound I really feel that this book did both for me it was a form of healing and I do think also it um, can stand as literature so
0: Mm -hmm. it's
2: really been one of the most meaningful experiences of my life writing this
1: book that's beautiful. I really found, you know, I was conflicted when I when I emailed you to say, well, the book was really beautiful because there's so there's some not so beautiful things, but just the way that you were able to sort of interweave the story with with the future and your own kids and just some of the prose was just really really beautifully done. And um so I think it's just as a as a work of art, it's gorgeous and even the seeing the reflection from you in the future, going back to the past and, and having, you know, a, a a sort of empathy for your abuser in a way, knowing that obviously something really horrible had to happen to him in order for him to do that as well. Did you, you, you're welcome. What do you feel is the best advice you've sort of ever received about writing after going through this experience?
2: Um, I don't know have I received it? I do have a list of quotes that I take as advice, but um, mm-hmm. I think the best advice for any writer is to stick with it. It's a long, long journey it's the it's the long game, and i uh, I also did receive a lot of advice about you know writing about the things that scare us or have hurt us um is a is a very meaningful powerful thing to do mhm.
1: What do you think, if there was one thing that you would hope for people to take away from the telling, what would it be?
2: Um, I'd like it to be an invitation for people to talk about our experiences and all their complexity, even when the dominant cultural line provides an expected script. And also I I hope anyone who reads this book, their awareness about child sexual abuse is raised somewhat. Um, such as um, things you mentioned about you know, you know how to how react if someone yeah, discloses this to someone and dispel some myths around it that around keep us from seeing it clearly. Mhm,
1: I think too it's it it was interesting also to see just as somebody who's been through something similar um that you you write about you know your children becoming the age that you were when the abuse began and and that actually is a big trigger. I know when I went to therapy, my therapist said, the reason why it's bothering you so much is that you have your own children now and you're seeing yourself at that age, really, you know, your own child. So it's all part of the processing and it's actually quite normal for women after they have children to mm-hmm. really become triggered, you know, in that sort of postpartum period.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely with Do my you, experience.
1: Yeah, do you feel, I mean, from the point of view of having having written and it's now published and it's coming out into the world and it's being, from what I've seen, received very well and came highly recommended to me as well, do you, your overall experience in writing memoir, do you feel that you'll touch on writing memoir again or was this just one time and you'll go back to fiction?
2: Um, I think in the immediate future, I'm going back to fiction. That's the project I'm working on now. And at this Mm -hmm. moment, I feel like I've wrung all I can, certainly out of my childhood and kind of adolescence and early adulthood. So Mm -hmm. I don't anticipate another memoir, but life is long, I suppose. And um, (laughs) there are some aspects of nonfiction I really like, like the research aspect. So maybe there will be some less personal nonfiction in my future.
1: Well, Excellent. Zoe, thank you so much for being here today. I really encourage everybody to order a copy of The Telling and also just thank you so much for sharing your story with the world and helping other people as well.
2: Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for talking to me. No problem.
1: Everyone, Zoe Zolbrad can be found online at zolzolbrad.com. That's Z-O-E-Z-O-L-B-R-A-N-D.com. You can win a free copy of The Telling by visiting my website at kristaleekweible.com and sign up for our newsletter. Winners will be notified weekly on our Facebook page. Be sure to tune in next week for more tips and tricks on how to write and publish your book. Thank you for listening and do keep writing.
0: Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking with your host, Crystal Lee Quibell. To start discovering how you can begin telling your story, go to crystalleequibell.com. That's Crystal Lee Quibel, Quibell. Q U I B E L L.com. And sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter. Join us again next week for more advice from your favorite authors and publishing professionals.